Look at that, the czar and the legend. They're literally like dressed the same, branded hats. Oh wow, looking good, Mr. Czar. Wanna make that paper? Wanna make that now? This is the affiliate marketing show. Wanna make that paper? Wanna make that now? What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. I'm Josh from OfferVault.com, the industry's number one aggregator of all things affiliate marketing. We also have Mr. Paper Call himself, Adam Young, the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz, and for the first time on this new season, our first returning guest, friend of the show, Eric J. Troutman. He's the founder of Troutman Amin LLP, as well as the founder of TCPAworld.com, as well as the founder and president of Reach. Eric, welcome back to the show. What's up, dude? Oh, wait, he's oh, also man. the czar. He's the czar. We can't forget. <laughs> What's uh, up, czar? Hey. Thanks, man. No, it's great to be back. You guys have a great show. This is always a lot of fun. So thanks for having me. Yeah. So well, I have we're... a real... Oh, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just take it here. I mean, we have a really interesting situation on our hands with the FCC releasing new guidelines for TCPA and outbound dialing over the holiday. And one of the reasons we're excited to have Eric back on the show here is so that we can dive in on a high level and see exactly how this may affect the lead generation and affiliate marketing industry because i think in these situations uh there will be winners there will be losers um, but what this type of regulation creates is a unique opportunity for people in the industry to innovate and so i'm excited at least about that part so i mean Eric, what do you what do you think here? What do you think the one or two biggest things in this new regulation package from the FCC are? Well, first of all, Adam, I love your attitude, man. Positivity, innovation. I'm seeing great things out of the industry in response to this already. Um, but look, the, the biggest thing is very straightforward. Biggest thing is that you can no longer obtain consent for multiple parties at the same time. Consumer has to specifically agree to receive consent, or sorry, to give consent to receive calls from one entity and only one entity, period, full stop. That's a big change, right? We're calling it one-to-one, but it's a big change. Now, you can, perhaps, we'll talk through this, right, have a list of different companies, but the consumer has to have a little checkbox, and that consumer has to check specifically what companies they want to hear from. So this is a huge change, of course, from today, where you use partner lists, hyperlinks, and you might have thousands of thousands of brands that might buy uh, this lead. These days, you got one, one, once this becomes effective. So that's the number one biggest change. The second big change, which I, I don't think is as big, but people have disagreed. Some people think the second change is actually bigger. Uh, and that is that the consent, the calls that result from the consent have to be topically and logically related to the transaction, whatever that means, that led to the consumer's consent in the first place. Uh, now, whether that means the web page, the web form, the specific call to action, don't know just yet. Very gray, very gray. But those are your two big changes, one-to-one and topically and logically related, whatever that means, we can play around and nibble at the edges on that one. But that first one's pretty clear. 
So just to clarify for our audience, we are talking about outbound calls and the sale of consumer consent data, which usually is packaged up in the form of a lead. And then that lead is sold to somebody else or multiple parties and our phones turn into dumpster fire war zones and hellscapes. And I think this is familiar to almost every American at this point. So I think this regulation will come as a, a delight to consumers. And I think that is actually a good thing. Anytime you can improve the consumer experience, you're adding longevity to something. And so if the consumers are in a better situation, that means that this type of regulation will solidify the lead generation industry as opposed to um, take it away in a bad way, which, which a lot of the grumblings we're hearing um, coming from the streets. So I do think there will be some some negative changes around brokering via ping post or people who are selling age data and age leads and their data brokers. But in reality, I think what's going to happen here is you're going to have a much better consumer experience. You're going to have people building businesses for the long term. And there's going to be a lot of innovation and opportunity that comes out, out of this regulation. And so, Eric, I did have I did have one specific question for you. I read the Federal Communications Commission circular that went out and the section on the lead generation loophole. And I'm sure you have this entire thing committed to memory. So in, hold on, let me get it correct here. Uh, section, yes, section 3D, paragraph 41. Burden of proof for valid consent. And I'll just recite it for the audience, because in my opinion, this was one of the most important, uh, important paragraphs in the document that really outlined what's happening here. And the FCC says, we take this opportunity to reiterate that the burden is on the texter or caller to prove that they have consent that satisfies the TCPA and our, the FCC's rules. They may not, for example, rely on comparison websites or other types of lead generators to retain proof of consent for calls the seller makes. And in all cases, the consent must be from the consumer. Fake leads that fabricate consumer consent do not satisfy the TCPA or our rules. In addition, the consumer's consent is not transferable or subject to sale to another caller because it must be given by the consumer to the seller. And so I think this is pretty clear language. I showed it to our team. I didn't have any questions from any of our team members about it. They got it. I think what the FCC is really trying to reiterate here is that the, the party that is calling the consumer has to collect the consent themselves. And they have to make sure they have the consumer's consent for their specific brand to call and that we're not going to see any selling of TCPA consent anymore. Do I do I have that correct? Did I miss anything there? You have it correct. 90 percent correct. So okay. so you're you're. You, you missed one thing that I think is important, which th this is a new articulation of a burden of proof standard and a burden of production standard that didn't exist before. Currently, under today's law, uh, a caller that has bought a third party lead doesn't actually have to take possession of the consent form into its own records in order to make that outbound call. It can rely on an agreement with that third party lead seller that if they need to prove consent, the third party lead seller will produce it. This articulation by the FCC actually obliterates that model. 
Now the caller cannot make the outbound call unless they actually possess the lead record in their own files. So that, that is a change. Um, the second piece though that I wanna hone in on is the very last sentence um, because it's not quite accurate that you can no longer sell a TCPA consent. What that sentence is referring to is, is the process of sellers transferring consent amongst themselves. And, and when I mean seller, I don't mean lead seller. I mean a seller of a good or pro, uh, service. For instance, Lone Depot, great client of mine, they buy a lead. What that sentence is saying is Lone Depot can't sell to Mutual of Omaha if it turns out that Lone Depot can't can't you know service this customer for whatever reason. They can't, Lone Depot can't send that lead to Mutual of Omaha so that Mutual of Omaha can, can work it for profit. That is not permitted. However, subject to the other rules we just talked about, somebody that is generating a lead on their website can still sell that consent, assuming it complies with all the other rules to the one, one good or service provider that is now gonna be listed on that form. And then the consumers, it just seems like common sense to me, but the consumer is gonna to have to affirmatively consent somehow uh, into opting into that seller. The, you just can't show the logo to the consumer after they've submitted their form and be like, this is where your information is going. They have to like affirmatively consent through checks, checkbox and disclosure uh, on a page. Does that sound about right? No, you, you've got it. So it's gonna change the, the ping post model that we that we all know and perhaps love, I don't know. Um, you know, currently the consumer accepts, then the auction takes place on the back end and then the lead gets sold either as a warm transfer or as a data lead in the new environment. If there's going to be ping post, I don't even know if that's going to survive. But if it is, it's got to happen before that final page when that consent is presented, because that consumer actually has to see the name of the company that they are agreeing to receive calls from before they push that button. Wow. So do you think this affects consumer initiated inbound calls in any way? As long as it is truly consumer initiated inbounds, right? I think it, the... I'm telling all my big lead buyer clients for, for your audience, most of my clients are big lead buyers, right? We don't represent too many lead sellers. We represent big institutions that have direct consumer marketing arms, millions of calls a day kind of institutions. Um, and I'm telling them all the same thing, which is the market for leads is about to undergo a huge, huge shift. Inbound leads, true inbound is about to be gold, right? Those that, that can operate in the inbound environment and not, I'm not talking about outbound to inbound. I mean, real consumer initiated inbound for your organic search or whatever it is, where that consumer, there's a real person right now seeing something. They're like, man, that's a great call to action. I'm interested in whatever this is. I'm going to click this button. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to make this call. Those leads now become more valuable than ever before. It's a great market for those inbound leads. Um, but I am telling people, hey, be cautious. Because as people shift out of the current model, as it becomes more difficult to do your typical data lead or warm transfer in, in, in the old environment, people are going to be shifting to generating these inbound calls. And not all of these are going to be kosher, right? Some of these are going to be like the warranty scams that we see where people just blast robocalls and endless voicemails at you with a callback number that's you know your, uh, your attribution DID for some company and then try to get paid by these you know, inbound calls that really were just generated by these nuisance outbounding. Uh, but if you've got a nice clean way to generate real, like actual inbound traffic, that's gold because people are gonna be wanting to buy that by the barrel. Yeah, I think this is also gonna present an interesting opportunity for those that do warm transfers, legitimate warm transfers. If you can create a brand yourself and then collect the data 
dial out yourself and actually speak to the consumer. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you have the consumer on the phone and you ask them for their permission to transfer them somewhere else and they grant it, can you do that? You're not gonna like my answer to this one. Um, so look, things are gonna have to shake out, but currently as I read the reg and the intention of the rule, the answer to that is no. Only the ultimate good or service provider, uh, the consumer has to opt in to the ultimate good or service provider in order for that initial outbound call to be made. So if you're a call center or you're, you know, you're a lead generator and, and your brand is awesomelenders.com or something, and the form says you agree to have awesomelenders.com call you, right? Yes, awesomelenders.com can call you. The problem is that's not going to be valid consent for anybody else downstream to call you one. And arguably, if the ultimate seller is not awesomelenders.com, the ultimate seller is Loan Depot, Loan Depot probably has to be on that form. Right. So the consumer has to click in this instance, would have to either choose Loan Depot or they would have to choose, depending on how conservative you want to be, awesomelenders.com and Loan Depot in order for that uh, outbound call to be made by awesomelenders.com and then for that transfer to take place. I know a lot of folks are hoping to, you know, respond to this FCC ruling by just having the one name of their lead generation brand, their lead generation call center on that form call and then you know have their partners that they're going to make offers about those partners and then transfer. I'm telling you right now, guys, that is not going to work in all likelihood. Now, look, maybe courts disagree. Maybe courts say, go for it. Great. I'm rooting for that result. But that's not the advice I'm going to give to my clients. I'm going to be telling people, look, you have to be very conservative. And you know, Loan Depot, Mutual of Omaha, whoever you are, don't you dare take one of these inbound calls that was you know, an oral consent to transfer following an outbound call that was made pursuant to a disclosure that does not have your name exclusively on that form. That is, at this point, that's too dangerous. Now, again, two years from now, maybe things shake out, the courts go favorably, and that becomes the practice. Great. I'm hoping for it. But right now, I would not advise. So you would recommend not being a pioneer? <laughs> As a lead buyer, I would recommend not being a pioneer. They take the arrows, you know. Yes, sir. Well, what's the likelihood that this regulation changes or doesn't get passed on, what is it, December 13th when they vote on it? Uh, I put it at about zero percent. Why, why is it that you say that? I'm just curious. What's the, what's the, like, why do you believe that? Well, you know, it went, so I've been advocating before the commission for over 10 years now, and, and I've got a pretty good understanding of the workings, and there's a certain cadence to the way these things work. Uh, they open up the comment period. You've got your comment period. You remember I was like running around telling people to comment on this. They didn't really, some did, but for the most part, not too many comments. And then there's like this ex parte period that runs generally from like Labor Day to uh, Halloween. All of these are unwritten rules by the way, like none of the, you, you won't find this written anywhere, but this is just like when you've been in front of the commission enough, like, you know, the rules. Um, and then following about Halloween, like they're done. They don't want to take meetings anymore. You know, maybe they'll squeeze you in, but they don't want to take your meeting. They're working right now before the, the bureau, that's the one that actually writes the rule before they circulate those rules. They know pretty well, right? Where the commissioners who are actually going to vote on those rules are going to come down. And they're not going to waste their time putting together a very uh, lengthy document like this unless they've got the buy-in. So, you know, is it possible? I suppose, but I've never seen anything like that. And I would not expect there to be any change 
from the document as written. In fact, I'm telling people, don't even waste your time at this point trying to comment or trying to change their minds. It's baked. Now, next year, you might go in with a petition for reconsideration. You might try to take an appeal. Like there are steps that can be done to try to alter what, what the commission has done. But I, I don't see any change between now and December 13th. So I think uh, the lead generation industry is filled with a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are generally the type of people that like to go against the grain a little bit and break glass ceilings and, and fight against the mold. I think this situation is really interesting because as an entrepreneur, I always think that way. I know you're a disruptor as well. Harrison's a disruptor. Josh sometimes. And <laughs> I <laughs> and nice. so... Uh, when I look at this situation, like my gut reaction is actually not to fight it or to try and disrupt it, but it's actually to read the regulations and figure out creative ways to navigate within it so that regardless of outcome, once these regs go into play, that you can like become the winner without fighting upstream. And, you know, the vibe I get from a lot of lead generators when I talk to them about this is they want to they want to fight it. But in reality, I don't know if it's is that a futile exercise? Like where where do you see the innovation coming from a regulation like this? So a couple of pieces to that one. It's not futile if you want to fight the law, if you do it the right way. So, for instance, Reach is considering we haven't decided if we're going to do this or not, but we're considering uh, taking an appeal of the FCC's ruling pursuant to something called the Hobbs Act to the to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeal. And there are some actually some pretty good grounds under what's called the uh, Administrative Procedures Act that we can challenge what the commission has done because of the way it, it changed the rule. And it made some, frankly, it was a little bit tricky with regards to how it came forward with the rule. You might remember this. I was like the only one saying, guys, pay attention because they were being tricky. So I think there's actually pretty good grounds to appeal this and pretty good grounds to challenge this if that's what industry wants to do. But that's different than basically just saying, well, I don't like this rule. I'm going to ignore it, fight with it, or, or just try to take it to court myself. No, 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 no. There's a very specific path where this rule can be challenged. And if it's not challenged on that specific path, there's no other opportunity to challenge it. You will be stuck with it. And so you know, my advice to most people is look if you if you want to challenge this, get with an organization like Reach that has standing to do it and is considering doing it. You know you're gonna have to put some money into it, right? That's, these things take money. Um, if you but you know if you're not willing to do that, then understand that don't fight the law, right? Mentally, don't try to fight against the law. You're not gonna win, right? You've got no you've got no ability to win unless you're taking this very narrow channel that I'm describing. So you need to recognize that this is the law, whether you like it or not, it is now the law. And to your point, Adam, I think. You know, there's two kinds of people out there, frankly, those who are capable of innovating will read it and, and accept the challenge and say, let's go. Uh, and those who, you know, either don't have the, the capital, the resources, the capability, you know, the willingness to do what it takes to, to innovate around this. And, and they're, and, you know, rightly filled with fear because they're done, right? I mean, it, it kind of is one or the other. Uh, so, I mean, I know personally that there are a great deal of people in camp number one. You're no doubt one of them. I've actually met with a number of my clients and I am so impressed with what I've seen rolled out already in response to this, right? Like mocked up, you know, with this work, with that work. And I'm just staring at the stuff going, my God, like you guys move so fast. It's amazing. Um, so I know that there's definitely hope for many, many companies. And ultimately, you know, as, as I've been saying, uh, 
maybe in, at the in the end this will end up being a, a very good thing really for everybody but there's gonna be a lot of blood on the streets you know in the short term people are going to lose their jobs and not just a few and it's not just in the lead generation industry it's also in the small businesses that rely on leads that they can afford to have their name on the form that they're not going to have access to anymore and we're thinking a lot about like the independent uh, real estate independent insurance agents out there a good luck right trying to have that business now without a digital marketplace i mean that is just wild for them and a lot of them are going to lose a lot of money and it's too bad yeah i completely agree with you i think solutions will come out of it but there will be a period of time where uh it's a little dicey and that innovation actually has to happen I believe strongly in the market and the marketplace and that leaders will innovate and create the future. And so I don't worry about this long term, but I think you're right. It's going to be um, it's going to be a bloodbath. And I think when I when I review it, all the rules as a lead generator, you know, my background's lead generation. I'm like, oh, man. But as someone now that that runs a platform and thinks about consumer experience on a daily basis, I am actually kind of excited for some change. My iPhone has been set to don't ring if it's an unknown number for well over a year at this point. I can't even an answer phone calls anymore when I get deliveries or something like that. Like, I don't, I don't know, because I get bombarded, literally bombarded 30, 40, 50 calls a day. And so some relief there would actually be helpful in my life. So like as a consumer, it's hard for me to hate all of these regulations, even though my background is lead generation. And so uh, I'm taking the positive stance here that I think some people will build some amazing tech. I think people will get really innovative. I think, you know, to your point, our customers too have been talking to us. A lot of our customers do lead gen as, as well, and they're asking us like how do we get into more verticals and shift more of our focus towards inbound calls so that we don't have to deal with this situation um, and we've been able to provide them with a, a lot of guidance and so i think the real players are going to adapt and the people who sit in uh you know like in a place of fear are just you're right they're gonna lose their ability to operate and the time to act is now i think you know, full disclosure, by the way, I'm on the board of Reach and I strongly support Eric's mission with that. And I don't think there's a lobby group left in the industry that's actually trying to foster a future for the industry. So kudos to you for that, Eric. Um, why don't we transition to that, actually? Like, can you tell us a little bit about Reach and what Reach's mission is, how people can get involved? Because we need more people in the industry to pay attention and come to the table. I appreciate that and I completely agree. So Reach is Responsible Enterprises Against Consumer Harassment. Uh, it's a it's a multifaceted mission that, that Reach has. Um, the members are both lead buyers and lead sellers. The primary mission is to clean up the industry, right? To stop the fraud, to stop the, the abuse of consumers uh, that led to the FCC's recent ruling. Uh, you know, our position has been we want to stop unwanted calls. In fact, we what we're trying to stop about a billion unwanted calls a month just by cutting down on the fraud and by you know encouraging transparency in the lead generation uh, marketplace. Uh, that being said, one of our other missions though is to cut back on or push back against oppressive government regulation, right? Uh, something like what the FCC just did. Now, the REACH has standards of its own that really had never come fully implemented in the marketplace. And we believe had they been fully implemented, the, 
the FCC's recent ruling would not have been necessary. And we advocated very strongly to the commission to don't take action, let reach to its mission, but let the industry, good actors do self-regulation. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it was just too little too late in the commission's view. Although we did earn some pretty big changes, uh, you know, some pretty big wins. You know, the, the commission did give industry six months, whereas before they were contemplating giving them nothing. Uh, they did make the ruling uh, prospective only as opposed to retroactive in application, which is a massive win for industry. Uh, so reach, you know, although we, we didn't, you know, effectively prevent the FCC's ruling, unfortunately, which we tried to do, uh, we did get some wins for the industry out of it, which which I think is great. But uh, another couple of pieces to reach's mission because uh, there, there's four of them, right? One is to stop the unwanted calls. Two is to liaise with the regulators. Three is to work with the carriers who have been stopping and blocking and labeling so much traffic to get white label treatment for reach whose uh, members are following the highest standards, both in first party and third party generation so that you know these calls get through without being uh, censored, without being labeled, uh, which I think is a really important uh, mission for the entire industry and reaches at the forefront of that as well. We've got a carrier relations group, uh, really you know, heavy hitters uh, on the board that also liaise with the carriers. And then fourth and finally, the ultimate mission of reach is to be consumer facing, to become a brand that consumers trust, to, to know that consumers uh, want to work with, with companies that honor privacy preferences, that take contact preferences seriously, and that they will start gravitating in the marketplace to reach members because they know that these are companies that really are trying to do the right thing in the marketplace. Um, so those are the four things that we're trying to accomplish. It's obviously, it's a big mission. Uh, and luckily, we've got some great brands. We've got some great folks like Adam on our board uh, that are really trying to push this forward. Uh, this is unlike anything that the industry has ever seen before. This thing is built to scale. We want to be massive. We want to have thousands, tens of thousands of members. You know, We want to be one of the top five most powerful trade organizations in, in the nation. And given our mission, given you know our direct consumer marketing roots and our digital marketing roots, I see no reason why that can't be done. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, to, you know, seeing this thing grow and continue to really just do good things and take care of consumers and restore trust, not just in, in digital marketing, not just in direct consumer marketing, but in the entire teleco system and, and infrastructure in this country. Uh, and of course, if you want to know more, you can visit reach MBC that's reach like mutual benefit corporation, reach mbc.com. You can reach out to me, you can reach out to Adam. He loves emails from people, uh, and, uh, we can guide you. Eric, I'm curious, what's uh, your blog? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that are going to want to get more information um, just from what you already have out there. Oh, yeah, sure. So tcpaworld.com. This is separate from Reach. Okay, Reach is the trade organization. tcpaworld.com is my blog as the czar of the TCPA. Uh, I break down every single development in the TCPA world, every case, every FCC ruling, every congressional movement every day. Uh, we've got thousands and thousands of articles up there. Just in the last week, I've done three articles breaking down the FCC's new ruling, providing far more coverage than anybody else out there. And guess what? It's totally free. No boundaries, no barriers, no gates. You can just go and click the button and read. And I'm not going to spam you. I'm not going to send you marketing messages. You just get to go and read my content and learn for free with absolutely nothing. I know it's weird because I'm talking to a bunch of, you know, uh, digital marketers and, and folks that think, Eric, you should be cashing in on this data. I should be, but I don't. It's, this is just like my gift to the world. So if you want to check out tcpaworld.com, I promise you, you're going to learn a whole bunch and there's no downside at all. Well, Eric, how appropriate 
than to have our first repeat guest be the czar. I would rather have it no other way. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show again. I think we're going to be having you back soon in a couple of weeks when the ruling happens to kind of get your take on everything once it's actually made official. So everyone make sure you tune in for that. Eric from Troutman Amin, as well as tcpaworld.com, myself, Josh from Offer Vault, Mr. Paper Call Adam Young, and the industry legend Harrison Gewurz. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you next time. Marketing.